turn us on and the satisfaction's guaranteed. Frank discussion with passion on CJD 800. Coming up after 10.15, I want to tackle the subject of uh, sexual desire. You know, I get lots and lots of questions about that. Lots of couples that come to see me because of desire discrepancies. We'll talk about some of the uh, myths. We'll try to explain desire, look at some of the gender differences, and how to resolve desire discrepancy. But first... Let's take a look at the inbox. Make a connection anytime at 514-800. Time to answer some of your questions and your emails. Your emails you can send to me to laurie at drlaurie.com. So this is a leftover text from last night. Is it realistic for a couple to get back together after being divorced for five or six years? Um, It's unusual. I have to say it's unusual. Is it unheard of? No. I've uh, known, (laughs) I know one or at least one couple that got married and divorced a couple of times, believe it or not. The key here is if you get back together, you get the help you need to figure out what went wrong in the first place because it's the same thing with on and off, on again, off again relationships. There's always a honeymoon phase when you come back together, but the same old problems creep up. So really, really important before you decide to get go and get committed again to getting back together especially if you have kids so it's not very confusing for them is get help like go and see a marriage counselor who can help you figure out what were the issues that led to the breakup in the first place help you uh, figure it out communicate better and find some new dance create a new relationship don't go back to what was like the same old same old because that will lead you down the same path so very important to be able to and this is an email last night's show was good timing my daughter is a bi virgin and she and i listen together she never has guys sleep over but has had female friends sleep over and i prefer it like that she knows i had a couple of same-sex experiences when i was young and i am not shy to tell her i think single mothers who have daughters have a better bond we are used to going to be to the beach topless but here it is allowed, but few do it and considered taboo. Maybe this is why so many North Americans have sexual hangups. We also liked the poem. So thank you. Feedback, if anybody missed it, the show last night was on bisexuality as it is Bisexual Awareness Week. So if you missed it, you can go to my website, drlaurie.com, D-R-L-A-U-R-I-E.com. Click on the Passion Radio tab and you will find all the podcasts of the past shows, including last night's. Hello, Dr. Laurie. My wife and I uh, really enjoyed the show uh, last night, even though we do not usually listen to the LGBTQ show. Uh, It was an interesting show, and of course, my wife loved the poem. A lot of truth behind that poem. As millennials, we are looking forward to the Baby Boomer show. We think it's the best. Thank you for that. The Baby Boomer show is on the 23rd of uh, September. Hi, Lori. You always have great advice. Thank you. My 87-year-old father still controls my 85-year-old mother. It is no joke. He is about to embark on an amputation of his toe. Tomorrow, he has to go for a blood test. He refuses to have the CLSC to help him, but expects my mother to go with him, get the wheelchair, and help him to the door. 
as children, we are spread apart and cannot understand why he refuses the help. It puts a strain on my mother and it is very frustrating to us to watch this go on. This is a situation that's rather common. Obviously, your father is... uh, is scared and your mother is his safety so there there is that let i'm just trying to take a compassionate look at your dad right he's probably very frightened of being sick of getting older possibly of dying and he wants your mother his i guess his rock the person who's been by him all these years uh, to be the one taking care of him. It's, uh, there can be an ego thing at play here, uh, where they refuse help from, uh, from other people. No, no, we can do it ourselves. It's about, uh, you know, admitting that you need that kind of help maybe is something that really difficult, uh, for him to do. But I totally understand your frustration. I've had friends who have gone through that with their parents and it's, very hard to watch because you're watching your the other parent suffer the consequences of that as well. Um, if if one of the kids can come and be there to help her out, obviously that would be uh, would be ideal. Maybe somebody from the family, um, some extended family that can be there as well. He might accept the help uh, better uh, from somebody clo- closer to the family, but. I totally get it, and uh, as fr- I, I wish I had an answer for you as to what to do. It's hard to tell your 85-year-old mom, you know, set some boundaries. <laughs> They've obviously have developed a uh, a dance themselves, a, a particular dynamic themselves that they've been doing for uh, many years. Just heard you talking about the women going topless. It was uh, somebody who mentioned it. Just want to mention that a section of Oka Beach is for nudists. When you get to the beach, keep walking east. It's beautiful. So there you go for our our listener who um, may want to check out the nude beaches. So section of Oka Beach. At at 87, you expect him to change just a tad late. Yeah, unfortunately, that too. And as people get older they often get more stubborn and it's part of not it's part of having a hard time accepting age and and sickness and uh, losing control and losing your independence and I feel I, I really I feel for people who are going through this and I you know I think miss will if we're lucky to, to age and to get that old right uh, married, divorce, married, divorce, vicious circle, need help or just contortionists? Well, <laughs> I have help. Uh, does it ever work out when an ex tells someone they made a mistake and it gets back to you? Well, I don't know. I mean, every situation is different. So they tell somebody, I screwed up. I made a mistake. I cheated on my my wife. I should have never done that. It turned out horribly. And I really want my partner back. Except it's not just up to you. So it, what does your partner want? If they're both, if both people are willing to uh, forgive and then move past it, they have to figure out you know, they have to heal from, from whatever trauma it was that might've caused the divorce uh, or the separation. So you, you, you always have to deal with the issue 
that was there. If you don't, then like I said, it's a honeymoon phase and then the stuff creeps back up again. So if there was a trust issue, then you have to deal with that breach of trust, that betrayal and how to rebuild that trust again. It's not enough to just say, I made a mistake, take me back, forget forget anything I ever did, forget the past. You can't, you don't just forget the past. I wish it was that easy. It would be wonderful if we can all just turn a page and forget everything that a partner ever did to us that was uh, that was bad. If uh, you know, even if they said they were sorry, there's reparations that have to be done. There's a healing process that has to be done. And even though oftentimes when there's one partner that does something like infidelity, for example, and you know, they say they're sorry, they won't do it again, blah, blah, blah. They go get help together. They would love it if their partner could just turn the page. I said, I was sorry. That's it. Can't you move on? Except it just doesn't work that way. There is a healing process and you have to respect the process as well. Coming up, uh, not tonight, dear. I've got a headache. Uh, Have you ever heard that line? Let's talk about uh, sexual desire a little bit more. After From the pleasure and the politics to the hang-ups and the heartbreak, you're listening to Passion, CJD 800. Not tonight, dear. I have a headache. I'm sure you might have heard this statement before, and it certainly brings to mind a scenario in which a couple is lying in bed Usually the man is trying to snuggle up to the woman, maybe touching her, just as she blurts out those dreaded words. Unfortunately, women are notoriously stereotyped as the ones who don't really care about having sex. They could be happy with or without it. And men, on the other hand, are thought of as the ones who ask for sex all the time. How true is this stereotype? Are men really such crazy sex fiends and are most women really not that interested in having sex? The answer to that is no. No to both of those questions. But you can also have the reverse in situations um, like this when there is a, a desire discrepancy. I think we are all sexual beings. We all, or most of us, enjoy having sex, but there are certainly sexual bumps in the road that people of both genders tend to hit throughout the course of their lives. So maybe we can look at uh, some of the causes, etc. I mean, low sex drive has been referred by many uh, scientists as a, uh, a sexual dysfunction, but that isn't actually accurate. And that's because sex and desire are uh, such an important part of an intimate relationship that, um, minute that there's the minute that sex stops happening, or for some reason it slows down a lot right away. The feeling is there must be something wrong. So therefore it is a, um, dysfunction. Okay. But Many people fail to realize that there are so many factors that play into having a low libido, which is why when they've been looking for that magic pill, the holy grail, and you might've heard throughout the years, uh, companies, uh, uh, sprout pharmaceuticals and, um, some of the others, I don't remember it was sold here and there, but Phil Banserin was the name of the, the original pink pill, 
um, thinking that they had found the Holy Grail and sunk millions, if not billions of dollars into this. The company was sold for millions of dollars. I mean, it was a huge thing thinking we found it. We found it. The one thing that will give women more desire and women were jumping on board and men were certainly jumping on board. Give my wife the pill, whatever it is. But guess what? In the end, it really had very little impact and hardly sold at all, hardly prescribed at all, lots of side effects, potential side effects, uh, and not enough of a boost to the sex drive to warrant taking a pill every day. But why did it not work? Why does one pill not work? Because there are so many factors that go into uh, our uh, our sexual desire and the way we experience sexual desire. So I think it's really important that we we kind of understand that, uh, and men need to understand women. Women need to understand men because there are uh, gender differences. I know I'm generalizing here because it's not the same for everybody, but there are some gender differences. Um, let's see, uh, not tonight, dear, this text writes, I have a headache. A great cure for headache is sex. Dopamine replaces pain neurotransmitters. You're absolutely 100% right. The best cure for a headache is in fact an orgasm. It, it opens the blood vessels. Like it, it does things to you that medication will do. So it actually is a great cure for uh, a headache. Uh, it's kind of true, doctor. I've been in that situation more often than not. Uh, the desire discrepancy or low sexual desire, uh, sure. Another texter says, the headache excuse, and we all know sex is best cure for a headache. If your man wants sex and you are not in the mood, why not just have a 10-minute quickie instead of listening him beg for 30 minutes? Look, ladies, if you can't dazzle him with your brilliance, baffle him with your... BS or BJ? What? <laughs> Which one? Uh, so, low sexual desire is um, tends to be more common in women than it is in men, right? Um, of course, but that doesn't mean that men don't experience low uh, sexual desire. There's also things we have to look at. Before we look at the psychological side of it, we want to check out the uh, the physical side of it, right? Is there, uh, for men, uh, for example, as, as men age, there may be a low level of uh, testosterone or other changes due uh, to aging. There's like aging is a is a big factor. Same with things that accompany aging, the medications you take with aging, the uh, prostate issues. Uh, for men, all of these things can result in a loss of uh, sexual desire for men. Alcohol use as well is another main cause of low sexual desire, which can also cause erection problems and trouble reaching orgasm. Men tend to be harder hit by the physical factors that result in low sex drive. Whereas women, there's, they seem to be, it's more a combination of psychological and uh, physical issues. It's also been shown that women suffer more than men from a lack of sexual interest and for longer stretches of time. So there, 
really is a difference. I mean, there are physical things for women too, of course, menopausal changes, pregnancy and childbirth, uh, medications, surgeries. I mean, these are all the, uh, some of the ex- external um, causes. It, but also having low desire doesn't mean it affects your ability to have an orgasm or the ability to experience um, pleasure or to get sexually aroused, even if a person's libido is low, especially when it comes uh, to women. What we need to understand, all of us, men and women alike, is that when we go through dry spells, it's a normal part of human sexuality. Low sex drive at some point is... it is definitely part of human sexuality. It's affected by so many things like stress, COVID, um, so many, right? Fatigue, having little kids running around, um, different kinds of stress, anxiety, depression. Uh, Sometimes it's their deeper psychological issues like traumatic sexual experiences, for example, Uh, self-image issues, negative messages about, uh, about sex. Today I was talking to a, a woman who was talking about just that, that she, that her desire is affected by the, the images and the messages in her head that uh, good girls don't do these things, right? I'm not supposed to like that whole, I'm not supposed to scenario, right? You can, I'm not supposed to do this. I'm not supposed to do that. I'm not supposed to enjoy it. This, of course, has an impact and can can operate at a level that we don't even have access to uh, so easily. So these are all kinds of things that we um, we have to take uh, into consideration. The men, the psychological and the physical issues that can bring on um, feelings of low, sexual desire and we have to become we have to be also realistic that in life there are ups and there are downs and there we don't often stay at a uh, at a steady level of sexual desire and that's for men and women although more common i'd say probably much more common in um in men although plenty of men when they are completely stressed out um, are also, also their libido is affected. Their ability to have an erection is, um, affected. And part of that is also because men don't handle stress as well as women do. Believe it or not, there's been research on that, uh, that, um, men succumb more frequently to stress related diseases than, uh, than women do. So women often talk things out. They're able to, uh, they're able to deal with their stress in, in a whole other way. And, and stress and sex go hand in hand. There was one survey that found that 44% of men are too stressed for sex at the end of the workday compared to just a third of women. So it's not necessarily the stress for women. Other factors come into, um, come into play when it comes to that. So some of the, some of the other factors are, uh, relational. We're talking about people who complain of lack of affection, 
communication issues, not being able to really connect with their partner because they don't feel heard by their partner. Um, sometimes it is depression. Sometimes, oftentimes it can be a lack of emotional intimacy, which tends to be more important when you talk to women. And I hear this all the time that they want more connection. They need more time to get to a place where they feel, um, where their, their arousal and their desire kind of kicks in. It's not just, we hop into bed and I, you know, you, you grab me and here we go. There's, I always think of it as women are like dimmer switches and men are more like on off switches. Women need a lot more. And what the more is more of the attention, more of the affection throughout the day, more of the warming up phase, if you will. It doesn't just happen in the bedroom. So, I mean, listen, I don't think we can, un, you know, just talk about desire, and uncover everything and every aspect of it in one show, but certainly we can, uh, we can explore it a bit. Coming up, I want to talk about some myths about desire uh, and sex and, of course, the truths that go along with it, plus our stupid sex story of the day. After- a safe place to work out the kinks in any relationship. It's Passion with CGAD 800's Dr. Lori Batito. Before I continue uh, talking more about sexual desire, let me share the stupid sex story of the day. This was sent to me by, I believe, a UFO researcher, amateur. I don't know what, I'm not sure what to, to call him, but he often sends me kind of alien kind of stuff. I'm not sure why, but I get it anyway. So I don't want to offend any UFO believers or anything, but I put it in this category because it was like one of those, what? Uh, this is the headline. Mysterious birth has this woman suspect that she may be a hybrid. I'm like a hybrid. Okay. Uh, there's a interview with this woman as well. It's a, a YouTube video, but there's a little, uh, little write up about it. So she's from, and, and there's an angle here, Quebec angle, but she's a French Canadian, uh, six, six feet, three inches. That's how tall she is with blonde hair and green eyes. Her name is Lisa. She has always felt like she is different. More outstanding than her striking presence is the fact that Lisa believes she may be what many in UFO circles refer to, get this, as a human hybrid. Hybrids are often defined as the children of abductees who have been subjected to contact with aliens where women have been impregnated. The result is the birth of an alien-human hybrid with alien traits in these hybrid hybrid children that lay dormant. It is the human traits that are more active, yet something different is perceived and these human hybrids feel like they don't fully belong on earth. On the outside, the eyes of these human hybrids are often highly compelling. When they look at you, it feels as if they reach deep into your soul. Inwardly, they frequently report dreams of flying and out-of-body experiences that often bring them into space where contact with their ET origins are perceived. Hybrids also report that they are highly intuitive. They sense, feel, and seemingly communicate telepathically with their patrimonial telepathic skills, tuning in to read the thoughts of individuals without saying a word to them. 
These traits and more define Lisa's experiences. Having a mysterious birth and many UFO-related experiences throughout her life, Lisa shares a few of her high strangeness observations, who was it, and it was interpreted into English by UFO researcher Luigi Venditelli from Montreal, and I believe it, that is the person that sends me stuff. Uh, and she says, I have a reason for being here, and it is a little different than other people, but I feel there are a lot of people like this. There is something to be done. We need to change things, and it's a very heavy burden to have. Lisa says, as she herself tries to grasp the mystery of what she feels within. This is the first time Lisa has shared her story on camera exclusively for Earth Mystery News. So you can look that up. Earth Mystery News. That is our stupid sex story of the day. Hard to believe. Hard to believe. Hmm. Does he contribute to Coast to Coast? I'm not sure. Possibly. Let me share a few of your texts when it comes to uh, sexual desire here. Uh, let me see. Um, LOL, my girlfriend often claims I'm being frisky when she's basically the one who starts things off. And of course, you know, when I'm talking, I am talking in a very general sense, not the truth everybody can fantasy thoughts affect an erection when it comes time that you are getting intimate anything that creates arousal can cause an erection as men get older it's often not enough to just think sometimes they need the stimulation but otherwise in younger men absolutely sexual thoughts can cause uh, arousal Uh, fatigue and self-image for sure are factors for lagging desire Another texter, due to anatomical differences, men are almost always sure to have an orgasm with intercourse, whereas women are not. Many, Maybe many women say they have a headache because the man is a disappointing lover who doesn't focus on foreplay and she finds sex an annoying and uncomfortable event, which is better avoided. I'm not going to say that that is the general consensus. It's not, but it is true for some. So for, and, and then there are some women who go right to intercourse because they know that's how their partner will get off. And then, and that's how they get it over with. So there's, it's also a way to avoid a, a longer sex session, but they are also denying themselves pleasure in, in, in that case, better f- to find out what it is she needs and, um, to share that with, uh, Thank you for talking about this, doctor. This is helping me reinforce what I already knew, and this will help me with new relationships. Good. If I help one person, I am very happy. Uh, My last two partners were, were older than I, nervous and could only get hard with oral or hand stimulation, and one was able to orgasm while soft over the phone. Again, uh, if they're older, they would need to have uh, that kind of direct stimulation. So I'm not surprised. And men can also orgasm without an erection, by the way. Uh, Wondering what the percentage of couples who sleep in separate beds, snoring, a partner that moves a lot, or other things that will wake someone up. I don't have that number in my head, but guess what? This is a good topic for the Boomer panel. Uh, We can talk about that uh, on on the 23rd. Uh, Let's see. (laughs) I have a statement for UFO and alien believers. Extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. Never any evidence, always claims of evidence, but no one can ever produce it. Being an amateur astronomer and a believer in intelligent life somewhere else, but no UFOs, sorry. Uh, Okay. 
let me get to some myths about desire and sex. So the number one myth is, is a gender myth, right? That men always want it more, but that is not what generally happens. Oftentimes in a relationship, one partner can begin to crave sex more than the other. And we always assume it's the guy. Not so. In long-term relationships, men and women are almost equally likely to be the member of the couple with, with lower sexual desire. Um, but it, it's, it's more surprising when it's the man because of, of this myth. And often when women are faced with this, they really blame themselves and think there's something wrong uh, with them. Like, aren't all men supposed to want sex? Therefore, if he doesn't want sex, what's wrong with me or what's my partner's not attracted to me or my partner must be having an affair or something is going on, but, um, not so fluctuations are normal and people need to recognize that fluctuations are normal in both men and in women. Coming up, we'll talk about the next myth, which is, uh, that a pink pill is the only hope. Is it though? Is that, is that what we need to find absolutely at all costs? We'll talk about that coming up after. Passion with Dr. Lori Batito on CJAD 800. We're talking about sexual desire in general uh, and talking about some of the myths and just a couple of texts here. I'm a male, uh, well over 50 male. I find women in my age group far more horny and want it more than women under 40. No contest. I'm not complaining, but I never thought I would ever in my life say I'm not in the mood, but I do sometimes now. So as you can see, not so rare in men. Just a question. How do you tell the difference between desires and fantasies? Well, that's up to the individual. We can have fantasies of things we would never ever do in real life. Like you can have a fantasy of group sex or a fantasy about, uh, uh, I don't know, uh, uh, a celebrity. It's You're never going to have sex with them you're, and you have no intention of having group sex, but it might be something that turns you on. So fantasies are uh, a, a way to get to the arousal um, and desires. If you desire to do something, like sometimes fantasies are things you want to do, but oftentimes fantasies are things you, you're, you have no intention of doing uh, in, in real life. And oftentimes fantasies are more powerful and, and people report that when they act them out in real life, they lose, they lose their power because the, the real life is never as good as their fantasy. So there's that. Right. Let's talk about the pink pill for a moment, because one of the myths is that that is the only hope, uh, especially, uh, for women, but understand this, that low sexual desire for women goes hand in hand, oftentimes with a feeling of disconnection. And the disconnection is that, for example, the body is doing one thing and the mind is doing something completely different. One of the problems women have is not being able to connect or to disconnect from their mind to enjoy their body. So there's treatments now, behavioral treatments, not pink pill treatments, which can teach women, and I work with this, but teach women to be in their bodies. We call it some, uh, it's mindful sex basically. So that to, to be able to feel, uh, to feel the pleasure and 
And then we also have to deal with other things like anxiety and poor self-esteem and, and depression. All of these things cannot be cured by this pink pill. It's far too complex. Another myth is, is one that is actually really, really important to understand. And this I talk about all the time. And I even did a, a, a TED talk about this. But the myth is that first comes desire. So I'm horny. That's the desire. Then comes the sex. And desire is wrapped up with arousal and often emerges as partners have sex rather than before they start sex. Okay. So it, it kicks in. It's like revving an engine. It, it, it just, you have to, you have to spark it, right? It's like, it's like igniting it. So, and, and it sometimes takes time. Like I said earlier in the program, it's like a dimmer light. You have to kind of wade your way into it rather than boom. It just happens like that. So, uh, sometimes you need to be stimulated before you want to, you need to be stimulated by your partner. So you have to have the openness to do it, be stimulated. And then your desire kicks in. That's when the spark is ignited. So you can say yes to sex or yes for now. Let's see if it ignites the spark kind of thing course, other conditions need to be there too. Like if, you know, if you're having major issues in your relationship and there's all kinds of resentment, then that's a whole other story. But I'm not talking about those issues and those do need to be dealt with, of course. But even in loving, healthy relationships, we can find low sexual desire and it could still leave one person feeling uh, rejected or hurt and then eventually lead to some distancing from their partner. So in those situations, when there's no major resentments or major uh, relationship issues, if you try to say yes to it and see if the, the, uh, stimulation ignites the spark that can, you know, be lead you far into it. So you, it would be a good thing for you. You could try that. So that's important. I just want to give uh, just a few minutes, a few questions that things that you should consider uh, as on your own, like things you need to ask yourself, things you need to bring up with your partner. Ask yourself things like this. Is my behavior such that my partner would want to have sex with me? Are there things that I am doing that might be driving my partner away or weakening my relationship with my partner? Things like coercion, pressuring, pouting, manipulating my partner. This will drive your partner away, not bring them closer to you. Okay. Am I expecting my partner to understand and fulfill my sexual needs without taking ownership of them myself? Example, like knowing my body, what feels good, giving feedback and telling my partner what I like. Do I communicate my needs and desire to my partner so that we can have a mutually beneficial sexual relationship? How does my partner feel about this? Am I willing to both give sexual pleasure to my partner and receive sexual pleasure from my partner? How does my partner perceive my level of willingness in these areas? Do we have enough emotional foreplay? That's really important. For a lot of women, this is the biggest complaint and a deep enough relational connection 
that a sexual relationship is desirable for both of us? Are there ways that we could deepen our connection outside the bedroom? Do I know what my partner thinks and feels about this? If not, you must talk about this. Have we gotten into a routine or has sex gotten boring? Are there things we could do to change up the routine a little bit? What ideas does my, does my partner have, if any? These are the conversations that need to be had when there's desire discrepancy. In order to understand each other, we approach it with understanding and compassion. We also have to take responsibility. We have to confront in ourselves the areas needing some growth and some work because ultimately what we need to do is strengthen that connection with each other. It's, that's the important thing. What is sex if not something that bonds a couple's relationship? I'm not talking about the casual sex. I'm talking about now in long-term relationships. I should have specified that from, from the beginning. So sex should be what bonds a couple's relationship, but it has such a powerful ability to drive two people apart, which is why it's so important that we have these discussions and we ask these important questions. We need to find the balance in our sexual relationship. And we have to continuously do this throughout our lifetime. It will not be a one-time thing. This is something that we have to put effort into forever in a long-term committed relationship. Things change over time. Circumstances change. Stresses change. Bodies change. You have to work together if you want a good relationship. Hope you got something out of this that you can take home and apply in your relationships. But of course, if you ever have questions about this, want to talk about it, or you need to consult someone uh, for your relationship, please reach out to me. I'll be happy to either see you myself or uh, to refer you to an appropriate person. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your text. Thanks to Jimmy Garifalis, our technical producer tonight. If you want to connect with me, uh, social media, it's at Dr. Lori Betito, B-E-T-I-T-O, or my website, drlori.com, where you can send me an email, where you can find the podcast of past shows, etc. Coming up next here on CJD, we bring you the CTV National News. Have a great rest of the evening. Stay safe. And I want to wish our Jewish listeners as well a happy new year. Shana Tova. I will be back on uh, Monday evening with another show. Remember to live your life with passion, folks.